You're listening to Amazingly Terrible. You probably shouldn't. Today we're watching Rainbow Bright, Episode 1, Peril in the Pits. Taste the rainbow. <laughs> You're listening to Amazingly Terrible, the podcast where we barely review a random cartoon and then fight about it. My name is Adam. I'm a Matt. <laughs> I'm David. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you didn't like that bit? <laughs> that was fine. It was fine? I always oh. fi it's it's fine. Oh no. That that means it's not fine. It's, I've been married long enough no, to know that that good. means it's not fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and what she wants to eat for dinner, it's not nothing. <laughs> it's something very specific. Yeah. yeah, it's not you decide. Welcome to a very fine episode of Amazingly Terrible. Nice. A very, very fine episode of Amazingly Terrible. Yes. It's so very fine. Uh, this is not a plug, uh, podcast listeners, but... Um, I went to a place called Donut Plant, which is a place that makes donuts here in the United News, News of New York. They make a Tres Leches donut. Pro tip on Tres Leches donuts, eat them the day after, because then they really had a chance to soak in their own juices. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. This was actually like a proper donut, or was this like a, like a cronut? Oh, it's a proper donut. Proper donut. Nice. Proper. Nice. I never really bought into those cronuts. I always had a hard time with those guys. So. How many have you had? Uh, I think from like two or three different places. Mm -hmm. they, were, they were all in Portland, though, so they might not have actually been making them properly. I don't know. There was an inventor of the cronut here in New York, and he's the... Uh, oh, really? Dominique Ancel uh, invented the cronut, and his place was extremely popular because of the invention of the cronut, and still is. Nice. Basically, everybody copied him. For whatever reason, I thought it was actually something that came out of New Orleans, like uh, like the beignet. I thought mm. it was like a like a predecessor of the beignet for some reason. You think that like they were doing, they were digging too deep under New Orleans, uh, trying to uncover the the beignet mines, and they yeah. they they uh, they discovered a prehistoric cronut deep within the beignet deposits. That's what I thought. That mm -hmm. is what I thought, so. Yeah. Well, you know why that's dumb? Why? Be because the water table is so high in New Orleans, they couldn't dig deep enough to mine beignets. But no, that's, that's, that's the reason why people are pretty sure that beignets were created by ancient aliens, because they're mm. actually in a waterproof vault underneath New Orleans that's in the shape of a reverse pyramid that follows the constellations of the opposite side of the planet. Wow. And all it shows is the dark side of the moon. It seems to be like, uh, it's like very slowly drilling. A exactly. Yeah. Just letting, just letting gravity do the work, basically. Yeah. That's how I drill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we know. We've seen the videos. Yeah. Let gravity do the work. Matt, you're, you're feeling better this week? I, know I last am. Last week you were pretty under the weather. Yeah. Um, feeling somewhat better. Still a little illness, dragging myself through the um, through the gutters of of New York, but um, mostly better. I do like the uh, 
the uh, alarms just proving that it's New York. As yeah. you've oh yeah, it's perfect. So yeah, that's we actually have those like in the background of every uh, conference phone in every office in New York. There is just a siren button. So like, uh, to, so that they feel like you're really they're really on a conference. Somebody in New York, you can hit the siren button, and nice. that'll, that'll help them feel like it's a th- it's real, you know. They'll be like, aren't you working on like the hundredth floor of a skyscraper right now? Oh yeah, the noise just really carries. Yeah, it just gets everywhere in New York. Well, you get fires they, up oh, here. No, they're they're actually just driving right through right now. There you go. <laughs> they get you get fires up here too. You know. <laughs> How have you been, David? How have you been doing this last week? Been good. I'm yeah. drinking for the first time on the podcast since the first podcast. Oh, oh really? no! Wow. Wait, you Great. haven't been you haven't been drunk this whole time? No, no. I was an un, I was unintelligible that first episode. <laughs> I disagree. You know, I very infrequently drink on this episode on this uh, podcast, hmm. and um, the last time that I drank was for the X Men episode. Mm-hmm. And I let it hang a little too loose. It was interrupting a little too much. And no. well, actually, a little way too much. No, so, uh, no. No, Derek liked it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, ever since then, I've just been doing this straight and sober. So, Well, I mean, I guess I'll just put it out there. I've been drunk on every podcast. And not just a little drunk. Do you sell CBB stuff? C- well, it's not CBB. <laughs> CBB. <laughs> C- <laughs> CBB. Comedy bang bang. Um, no. <laughs> we sell CB radios. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. We we do sell CBD stuff. Um, uh, have you? Does it does it help you? Have you ever used it and felt like this makes a difference? Uh, I have not used it. Um, one of the manufacturers of uh, a CBD drink, though, also produces a magnesium drink. And the magnesium drink is actually supposed to be like a mood elevator, basically. Really? It's, supposed to, it's, it's designed, apparently, like the magnesium in it is actually as such that it helps breach the brain blood barrier. And, <laughs> and I've had those before, and I have felt like a little bit more positive after drinking it. Interesting. So, okay. Like you um, actually think you felt something. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't a lot. It wasn't like I was tripping balls or I was like super happy. It was just mainly just like I could feel myself like getting angry about something and then I'd drink that and be like, Yeah, I could just let that go. No big deal. Okay. So you, you were like, Ah, I I just need to focus on these slivers of a magnesium that are puncturing my brain. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh speaking of dangerous drugs that make you perceive reality in a different way why don't we talk about today's episode let's get into it i didn't realize this was the first episode yep yeah this was the first episode um it was kind of surprising to me honestly i was not expecting it myself uh i thought it was going to be a little bit more world building on the uh rainbow bright side but nonetheless a very interesting interesting cartoon let me go into some of the background here uh rainbow bright was created by hallmark yes it was 1984 the animated series was created by dick entertainment of france and uh, they aired it when hallmark licensed the ip to mattel to start making a range of different merchandise 
Uh, and then in 1985, they made a theatrical release uh, feature-length film. Hallmark was specifically trying to get into the licensing game. Yep. So they were like, they were specifically saying, we need to create a licensed IP. So they came up with uh, several different characters. The one that they landed on was, well, they said they wanted to have characters specifically targeted at kids because they wanted to get into the kid brainwashing game like Mattel and uh, yeah. just about everybody else back in the day. Can you so imagine if they'd been successful and like the we would be watching a bunch of greeting card movies now? Yeah, that'd be crazy, right? Yeah. Like like if they had like their own channel where they actually made <laughs> movies just for that channel, it would be insane. They made the movie equivalent of of greeting cards. Yeah. I don't I don't know what type of crazy ass world we would be in if that happened. I just want to see, you know, Marvel's bereavement card. That's a movie. <laughs> you want Hallmark to like make a Marvel movie? Yeah, well, I want them to make Marvel movies for their greeting card lines. Would have it be like uh, the stories that happen between the stories in Marvel? So it's like, we're so sorry that we dropped a nation on top of you, right? When you, like the for the Sarkovia, they could just throw a retirement party for Tony Stark. The the initial concept that Hallmark came up with was a magical girl. Uh, with powers over nature. And mm-hmm. then eventually that evolved into a magical girl being responsible for all the colors in the universe. So, the first episode, Peril in the Pits, aired on June 27th. So that's when this particular cartoon came out that we watched today. But June 27th, 1984, and it was released in primetime. So all of these specials actually were primetime specials. Oh, Really? Yes, which is very bizarre to me. I do not understand that because I mean, it is very much aimed at kids. But they were they were syndicated, but their release was relatively infrequent. And it wasn't until 1987 that they actually had a full 13 episodes, which essentially made up like one season. And I think later on it was actually used in like specific television seasons in programming blocks abroad. So... Mm-hmm. But those 13 episodes they made were uh, released to VHS, along with two live-action shows. Uh, one called It's Your Birthday Party. It was supposed <laughs> to be specifically for kids' birthday parties. Also sells greeting cards. Exactly. And then the next one was the San Diego Zoo Adventure, mm. which was just made for the San Diego Zoo, basically. So That's an odd connection. It is. I, I have no idea why. It's just something they did. Um, but Rainbow Bright is kind of all over the place, and, and we see her splattered across all type of merch, because uh, that's really what Hallmark was looking at, was trying to create a yeah. character that can get kids hooked on so that they can then sell the merch, just like, yeah, licensing. Just like Marvel, Mattel. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And they wound up also releasing a Rainbow Bright-style book for companies to be able to purchase and use themselves to basically make Rainbow Bright specific merch that they can then go back to Hallmark and say, we've followed the guidelines in your book. Oh, yeah. We now want to pay the licensing fee. So, oh, so they had a brand book. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Let's see here. The first Rainbow Bright generation of toys and merchandise was uh, 1984 to 1987. Uh, mm-hmm. That's when they released the dolls, toys... A huge line of, uh, for whatever reason, a huge line of school supplies 
that were only sold in Italy. Nice. And then they had like a bunch of other licensed stuff produced by other companies. Um, the most popular ones they released, though, were the activity books, uh, puzzles, games, some costume jewelry, and then uh, banks and suitcases by Cat's Meow. What? Yeah. Very weird. We had a rainbow bright Halloween costume that my little sister had. Mm. And it, it was super weird because if you like look at the way Rainbow Bright's head is constructed, all her features are like down by her chin. So the, yeah. the holes for her, their eyes were like somewhere in her forehead. And mm. then the, there was like a second smaller face that covered your nose and, and mouth. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. That was very strange. Well, I mean, Rainbow, the, the aesthetic of Rainbow Bright, the proportions are like way off when you're looking at her. Oh yeah, she's cartoon. like she's like um a Bob uh, like um a keen drawing. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. So but uh yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy stuff. Uh and see in Europe uh as a whole there was a smaller variety of merchandise, but there was like a ton in the United States, Canada and the United Kingdom. Apparently she also had some popularity in Japan because there's actually like a Japanese specific name for Rainbow Bright. And watching the cartoon, you can kind of see why it would be popular in Japan because it had a very similar um, art style. Because they're pervs. Animes. Because they're fucking perv, they're, perv yeah, freaks. There's that too. There's that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the high concept world definitely had an anime style. But I think it's interesting that the real world has more of a Disney style. Yeah. Mm. It's very, very strange with the way they drew it. But we'll we'll get into that. One of the things about Rainbow Bright, which I thought was kind of odd, was in Germany, they actually had an exclusive version of the dress-up Rainbow Bright that included story cassettes. And as far as people could tell, the story cassettes were actually added to the doll uh, package in Germany. Hmm. Because that's not how they had it paired anywhere else in the world. So they had like a te- they had like a German only Teddy Ruxpin Rainbow Bright. Kind of, but I don't think they had a tape player in the Rainbow Bright. It just came with a story cassette. They oh. would actually talk about it. And they had in Germany alone, they had 31 different stories on those story cassettes. I'm sure they were like they were like uh, no one knows who this character is. We need to somehow introduce them to the wonderful world of Rainbow Bright. It could be. Or it could just have been a very inexpensive U.S. character or an Americanized character that they could then license. And it could be, like, during that time frame where people were, like, eating up U.S. styles and whatnot. So Maybe. I don't know. I don't know either. She doesn't look very American. She does not. She no. does not. I remember back when we had to listen to stories on audio instead of watching them on television. Can you imagine <laughs> that? Do you remember what that was like? That was terrible. That was insane. <laughs> I can't believe people did that. It would be like today with being able to stream video on your phone, but instead yeah. you choose to just listen to a bunch of people talk. Yeah, you want to go on do that and listen to a bunch of audio chuckleheads. Jesus Christ. Who would listen to these plot lines on with just audio? <laughs> they would have to like use their imagination and their brain and imagine all the different things that were being talked about, like fucking animals. Yeah. Can you imagine if we were living in that world? That would be just, ugh. 
I do I do miss that sound, the sound it would make when you're supposed to turn the page. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh man, it's such a good sound. The uh the Rainbow Bright merch uh gets refreshed every now and again. And we are currently now on the fifth generation of Rainbow Bright merch that started in 2015. It uh, definitely seems like they have unlocked the special capitalist formula, much like Mattel and Marvel and all those other companies that license out. Turned out pretty good for Hallmark, apparently. I did my best to see if I could find out how much the Rainbow Bright intellectual property um, is worth. I even went so far as to go into the SEC to try to pull up Hallmark's <laughs> 10Ks so I can then look through the 10Ks to be able to find some of their assets. But unfortunately, Hallmark is still a family-owned business. That's so, interesting. That is interesting. It's a private company based out of Kansas, family-owned. As best as anybody can estimate, that company alone is worth $2.6 to $3.5 billion. Sure. So I'm assuming Rainbow Bright's worth a little bit less than that. So I mean... <laughs> it is kind of worthless. Um, I have a question. This is like, we probably don't know this yet, but when we finally get to Strawberry Shortcake, I feel like Strawberry Shortcake was a precursor to Rainbow Bright. I think so. We have Strawberry Shortcake on the queue, don't we? No, yeah, no, oh, we yeah. Have, I'm sorry. We have My Little Pony in the queue. We haven't, no. uh, we haven't randomly got Strawberry Shortcake yet. Okay. So but... Strawberry Shortcake is still on the list. I always thought that Rainbow Bright was basically a bite off of Strawberry Shortcake, and that I think you're right because yeah. it looks like Strawberry Shortcake was 1980 to 1985 originally, mm. and Rainbow Bright is 1984. So definitely, they definitely feel very similar. Yeah, in their well, design. I imagine it was one of those things where you had like a bunch of old crusty white guys in a boardroom going. Hey, what type of show do girls like? Because we don't want to compete with He-Man. Right. Oh, let's look at Strawberry Shortcake. There we go. Just copy Strawberry Shortcake. It's an Bam. untapped market. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I'm so. sure that, that played into their thinking. Well, thank you for that, that summation. No problem for some of the background information. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it so much. I'm, I'm happy to oblige. All I did was go on to uh, Wikipedia and hit copy-paste. So. My brain is engorged <laughs> and throbbing with your information. All right. All right, let's get into the episode. Let's get into the episode. So my first impression in this episode, I was actually despite the fact that we were actually watching this in SD, because I'm pretty sure that's the only version you could find nowadays, yes. I was very impressed by the animation. It oh, actually yes. made me feel like, it, I thought it was a lot like high-end Japanese anime. I could see this being almost equivalent to like... Miyazaki. Miyazaki. I mean, it's not anywhere near that level, but the um, the animation is quite beautiful. There's lots of unique shots, and definitely in the opening sequence, there's a huge. It feels like a huge anime influence where we get a lot of like reflected shots in puddles and like mm-hmm. just uh, aspect shots where we just kind of are seeing the environment. Yeah, and like odd angles where like they shot the kids' feet coming down off of the school bus. Yeah from the other side of the school bus and you actually like saw the movement so there was a lot of detail that we went into that opening and i feel like it was good enough to like really grab you 
right away. It made what is kind of a boring scene much more interesting. But before this, we, we did get the intro, which was like incredibly basic. Yeah. It was just like rainbow bright. Dun, 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 dun. Well, it's about five seconds of the full song that's in the outro. Yeah, it's like a stick. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but it really doesn't give us anything to go off of when it comes to expectations of the show itself. Um, we get to see Rainbow Bright uh, appear over her logo with her sidekick, uh, Twick, Twitch. Twitch. Twink. Twink. Twi- yeah. No, Twink. Twitch. His name is Twitch. No, I think his name is Twink. He's, He's definitely a Twink. He qu- he clearly holds for her. Like, <laughs> you know, he is holding for her. Yeah, but he's also a Twink. We get a great bondage scene later on, actually. So, <laughs> anyway, what happens in the beginning of this uh, episode? So we have basically it opens up on a dog waiting by a mailbox, and it's obvious that the dog is waiting for his kid to come home. And it's on a rural mountain dirt road. Um, it's basically like uh, like farmsteads all around in the distance. So open fields with like mountains in the background, a lot yeah. of clouds. Uh, school bus pulls up, kid walks off, the dog gets excited because he gets to see his kid. And then the kid uh, is walking home with a uh, baseball glove in his pocket and he seems to be down in the dumps. And we yeah, find out dejected. it's because he, he yeah. did not join the team. So he did not get onto the baseball team. Yeah, the kid is really expressive, and the voice actors are giving, like, performances. Yes, Mm -hmm. I agree. Definitely are, definitely are. And I love that the dog stays super happy, because he's a dog. Because he's a dog, exactly. The dog's just happy as boy's home. That's great. Uh, Well, this, this, uh, this boy is named Brian. Yep. And Brian is paying absolutely no attention to all the rainbows that are just sort of shooting off of clouds. And shooting from cloud to cloud all around him, despite the fact yes. that his dog is barking at him to try to get him to pay attention. Yeah, his and dog is freaking out. We wind up panning up, and we see Rainbow Bright on a horse with her anthropomorphic koosh ball mm-hmm. uh, that has star antennae coming off of it. And yeah, we got. He is. Um, he's. Uh, he's like her dealer, maybe, or like the fall guy, so that she doesn't have to carry the stuff on her. I thought it was just like a purse. He's a purse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's, every he's woman, the personal every, assistant. Yeah. yeah, every woman in girls' fantasy. I don't want a purse. I'd like a human purse. I want a anthropomorphic purse. I want a purse that can hand me things. Yeah. Yes. That actually. That's not, uh, bad. That's like not that. too. Yeah, I don't mind that. Kind of fits like, in there pretty um, well. An unseen servant? That would be all right. The horse is named Starlight. Yep. The horse is named Starlight. And Starlight is the magnificent flying horse, as he keeps introducing himself. He's a talking, magnificent flying horse. He has quite an ego. So, in any way, Rainbow Bride decides that she's going to force this fucking kid to interact with her rainbows by basically pulling out her crystal dust from Twink, blowing on it, and creating a rainbow right in the path of the kid. Yeah, she like the kid shoots walks it at into the, the rainbow. Yeah, shoots at the ground. The kid walks into it and becomes rainbowified himself. Oh, he like goes into like a kaleidoscopic acid trip. And then when mm-hmm. he comes out, he has been colored in the colors of the rainbow in sequence. Yep. Yes, exactly. 
And that's when Bright decides to reveal herself, and she apologizes to Brian and shows him her power, her talking horse starlight, and her dust bunny twink. Yeah. And it's around this point in time that Brian says to Rainbow Bright, you better fix me because my father is a conservative lawyer and he really would not like the implications of me being rainbow colored. Mm-hmm. He does say that his dad is a lawyer. Yes. He, he, in all seriousness, essentially threatens Bright with a lawsuit if she doesn't undo her rainbowfication. So. Well, I, I also like that that, firmless, that firmly says, like, we are marketing to the upper middle class. Like, oh, yes. Yeah, exactly, he, exactly. His dad isn't any other kind of, like, it could be his dad is a cop, you know, but no. His yeah. dad is a lawyer. I think that was uh, actually a very, very good observation. Very keen yeah. observation there. So They have also said that the, they all come from Rainbow Land. Yep. And she basically says, okay, well, if we need to undo this Rainbow Vacation, we need to take you back to Rainbow Land to right. get this undone. And at that point in time, Starlight says to Rainbow Bright, uh, but Sire, his colors are drab and unworthy. No outsider has been to Rainbow Land before. But they convince him to come because he can ra- yeah. he can ride on um Starlight. She was like, You can ride my sexy f- ass flying ass horse. Come on, Brian. And he's like, Oh yeah, sure. So basically, Rainbow Bright spills paint on this kid and is like, We better get you back to my place and get you out of those wet clothes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it plays out a little bit more like well, first of all, Brian, never go to a second location. You fucking yes, idiot. exactly. Especially um, when dealing with somebody that deals in crystal the way that Rainbow Bright does. Right. So. It plays much more like, uh, you know, cha- in your mind to change uh, Starlight from a white horse into a white van. And <laughs> she's offering this kid candy and to get into the van with her. When they said that no one has been brought back to Rainbowland before, was that like stage whispered in front of Brian? Right. It yes. was. It was. Well, she's, she's, she's the person who's giving you candy after school, you know, like she, they all want you to get into the van. So, so you're you're saying, David, that this is all just sort of a, uh, it was all sort of like a, a play acting just yeah. to convince Brian to come back to Rainbow Land, right? Uh huh. We get this uh, great shot though, and this happens twice in the episode, and it um, immediately gave me Futurama vibes. And it is when Brian goes to get onto Starlight, he actually takes Twink's hand mm-hmm. to jump up. And he basically does a whole thing where he pulls Twink off of the horse while pulling himself up onto the horse with Twink. And it is essentially the scene from the first episode of Futurama where Bender puts his right arm on with his left arm and then his left arm on with his right arm. Nice. Yeah, he like he like whips Tink off of the horse and so Tink ends up behind him. But still doing it like mid-air so he's like still using tink as a leverage point to get onto the horse yeah this guy should have really gotten on the gotten on the team that's like he basically jumps onto a horse which is horses are big man and yeah. uh at the same time like bodily uh air judos a another being creature yeah yeah to be behind him it's crazy anyway they shoot rainbows into the sky, and then they start running. Starlight starts running on the rainbow between the clouds. Yeah, and he, as they're flying off to Rainbow Land, we wind up getting a cutscene to 
uh, murky. Yes, he spies on them. He uses his yeah. his uh, periscope to periscope sp- yeah. to spy on what Rainbow Bright is doing. That's right. And we have uh, Lurky, who is actually looking through the periscope. Yeah. And uh, basically, we pan down to them when we see they're in like this desolate gray black landscape, um, where it's like very gloomy, and uh, Lurky is a basically a giant brown version of Twink. Kinda. He, he's like a stupid rug, and he's got a huge schnoz. Giant nose, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we have Murky, uh, who seems to be his boss, and Murky is basically like a little green man. Yeah. Essentially. Murky, his name is Murky Dismal, and he mm-hmm. he's a tiny gray chemist, and he dreps, dresses kind of like a hipster Viking. Yep. But all, all in gray. All in gray, yeah, with yeah. a bunch of lightning bolts for some reason. Yeah, he's, that seems to be his thing. But we, we, we pan in, and Murky is preventing a gloom cloud by uh, basically mixing up a bunch of different chemicals. And he basically explains that he's going to be using it on Bright to take away her color and steal her rainbow belt and then gloom the rainbow belt so he can then gloom everything. This is when we really start to, because he's made this, his, he's used his meth lab to, to cook up his gloom cloud, we start to really realize what this show is about. And that is a turf war between two rival gang lords who are dealing drugs. I can totally see that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, I didn't quite get there, but I, I, I was very close. I think I just needed a few more minutes with the property to get on board. But I, I like this. I like this. So uh, they, they basically drive into Rainbow Land yes. from the Peril Pits. And as they drive in, we see there's like a ton of color. Murky complains about it being too colorful, about how much he hates it. But again, this sequence is beautiful. It's really beautifully animated. Mm-hmm. And we yep. get this like really nice parallax behavior where they're panning over, panning down Rainbow Bright Rand. And we're kind of like driving in as the, as the trees whip past us on the left and right. It's really beautifully animated. It is. It is very nice. And, and again, there is a lot of like detail also in, in the movement and the characters themselves. Sometimes the background doesn't have quite as much detail, but it's easy to forgive that with how well the rest of it looks. So Yes. But uh, essentially, they, they drive in. Uh, Murky, jumps out of, Murky and Lurky jump out of the car, start walking around. Murky causing uh, color to be drained from a bunch of plants. And then another koosh ball... I believe they call themselves sprites. Mm-hmm. But another Kushball sees the gray plants and jumps into his car and drives off in a tizzy. Seems to be in a, a great deal of uh, ecstatic panic. Yeah, he's upset. Car is a cool design, though. It's like a, it's got a tiny little front wheel and two big back wheels, and it does a wheelie when it goes off fast. Yeah, it actually it, it whips up some dirt too, so there's like yeah. some smoke coming off of it. So, but this but, is also uh, the first inkling that we get of what kind of what kind creatures. of place, yeah, what kind of place mm. Rainbowland is. We start to realize that it's a plantation. It is exactly because we then cut to the next scene where that ecstatic sprite basically runs into mines where there are all these other sprites mining crystals to be crushed up and snorted. And they were being overseen by what looked like baby children. Like children that did not quite develop right, so they still look almost like babies. In fact, mm-hmm. a couple of them look like they're wearing diapers for some reason. So They are um, they're dressed in like 
odd futuristic kind of clothing. All S- monochromatic because they are the color kids. Yeah, each one's a different color. Each one's a different color, and each one is in charge of the color that they are uh, expressing in their clothing. That makes sense. We wind up uh, cutting back to Murky and Lurky hiding in some bushes, and Murky is explaining to Lurky his plan again. And in doing so, he actually uses his gloom gun, which creates a gloom cloud, which Lurky blows back into Murky's face on accident. And it's at this point in time that Murky basically says, you can do whatever you want to me. Yes. What's the point of giving up? So essentially we find out that the gloom gun is actually a roofie gun. That or depression gun. I'm, I'm thinking it's roofies because essentially it's roofies? Every, time, every time he uses it on somebody, they immediately become compliant and do whatever he says he Right. Whatever he tells them to do. Yeah, they, so. they, ex- they explicitly say that the gloom cloud removes all will to resist. Yes. Yep. You're right. It's a roofie gun. God, yep. if we could aerialize roofies, man. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Just like pump it into the. Uh, yeah, pump it into, into the, the nightclub. Pump it into the House of Representatives. Be like, oh, damn. Do your job. <laughs> Yeah, how about those clowns in Washington? They're a bunch of clowns. <laughs> anyway, they they wind up getting confronted by uh, the color kids and Rainbow Bright. They all arrive on the scene at the same time, which just happens to be the bush where Murky and Lurky are hanging out. And Murky shoots Bright with his gloom gun, and then she just uses her rainbow belt, rainbow belt to dissipate the cloud. Mm-hmm. It winds up colorizing Lurky the same way it colorized Brian. And then Lurky is really into it. Like, yeah, he is, like, all that. He is DTC, yeah, down he, to color. He starts growing flowers out of his flesh. And he's just like, why are we doing this plan? Let's just go and hang out and, like, be cool together. Yeah, but... And then, uh, Murky shoots, shoots his gloom gun at Lurky, and it decolorifies Lurky. And at this point in time, I was just like, Brian, you got your your solution here. Just yeah. grab the gun and shoot yourself. What are you doing? <laughs> Man. Shoot yourself and go home. <laughs> it's dark. Um, it, they run off and get into their, their car and drive off into the distance, and Rainbow Bite basically turns around and is like, well, I don't know what that was about. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, color kids, go back and protect the mines. Make sure that the uh, color crystals aren't going to be falling into the wrong hands. And um, she's like, uh, while you're doing that, I'm going to take uh, Brian back to my place and uh, strip him. Yeah. Get those, of color. Get of him color. all those colors off of him. Yeah. While that is going on, we cut back to Murky and Lurky. By the way, we also learned what they're mining. It's called Star Sprinkles. Hmm. That's right. Star Sprinkles. Yeah. Crystal meth. So... Murky just goes and basically captures all of the color kids by shooting him with his gloom gun in the mine, um, steals some star sprinkles, and uh, carts them off mm-hmm. as his prisoners. He specifically steals the blue star crystals. Yes, the uh, star Because he has a plan for them. The star sprinkles, yes, sorry. So, because he has a plan for the star sprinkles in the future. And all the, the, the color kids just sort of comply with him and go with him after he shoots him with the, with the gloom gun again. Yeah, they just march off. It's like, have some roofies, kids. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Rainbow Bright fixes Brian in, like, 
no time flat. Yeah. Uh, she just like puts a, a star sprinkle on his head and it takes all the color out. Really why they couldn't do this, why they had to do this here, it's not very clear. It doesn't yeah. seem to require yeah. any equipment. Maybe she just didn't have it with her. She could have just sent Twink back and be like, hey, get me that star that takes color out of shit. Yeah. Go bring me the, the clear star or the white star or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sprites come running in as she's decolorifying uh, Brian, and they, they start screaming in a sim language. <laughs> and then we find out from uh, Starbright and Starlight that uh, the color kids have been kidnapped by Murky, uh, and they're, they've been taken off back to uh, the peril pits, and Starbright mm-hmm. says, oh, we have to go save them. And then Brian, like the reluctant and lazy-ass hero that I love, just says, well, I guess I'm in on this too. Right. Just invites himself along. He's that and guy. that's it. Yep. And then he pulls another uh, bender move by yanking Twink off of the horse while he jumps up onto it. And they fly to the pits, and, and when they're... Um when they fly, it, it gets very um, dark and cloudy, and Starlight uh, gets weak, and she can't fly anymore. Or he can't fly anymore. He can't fly anymore, yeah. Uh, and we also find out that Rainbow Bright's belt won't work here. Yep. And they, they fall into a chasm. And here's the part where I wanted to ask about um, the aerodynamics of a flying horse. Mm-hmm, yeah. But Derek's not here, so I can't ask him about that, unfortunately. So, instead, what we see here is Starlight actually winds up spreading his legs out, spread eagle, uh, to basically catch either side of a cliff face. Mm-hmm. It braces himself as, like, they drag down the cliff face. He winds up breaking every limb as he, like, slides down, screaming in agony when he, he lands should. on the ground. And then Bright just uh, musters up enough rainbow juice left in her belt to shoot one last beam through Starlight's skull, putting him out of his misery. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to black, end of episode. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but... But accurate, you know? Like, you gotta respect that accuracy. Well, it's because this was actually produced by... Uh, Deke production in France, so mm-hmm. this is actually a French animation. So, yeah. Well, they 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 uh, and then they fade in coming out of black, and they show this uh, this tub of um, multicolored glue. <laughs> <laughs> like hello, Maurice. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, well, now we can like... glue the star sprinkles. <laughs> I don't know what accent that was. <laughs> Not French. It was, it was like a Creole Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway. Uh, but overall, I would say, overall, Starlight is very well animated. Like, yes, he yes, moves, he is. He moves yes. like a horse. He does well, a lot of intricate and, and different kinds of movement that they clearly referenced. Yeah. Well, and even in this like later scene, so like in the actual animation, he stands up and like touts how how magnificent he still is but then he stumbles around and says i can't even walk in this gloom and him stumbling around like looks like a baby fall stumbling around in real life like they did a really good job animating his movement yeah and getting it just right so yeah and, and actually this whole sequence his and the animation they do for uh, starlight is kind of a standout 
Yeah. But at this at this point, they they say, okay, well, we're just gonna have to walk there. They they brace Starlight, get him to stand up, and they just sort of like slowly start hiking their way through the like gray gloom of the peril pits. So, and we we wind up cutting to Murky, uh, who's like a little bit ahead of them, who winds up throwing his uh, blue star crystal. Where do I know what was star, star sprinkle? Through the blue star sprinkles into quicksand to make the quicksand look like water. Yeah. And again, classic eighty trope, eighties trope. Quicksand was supposed to be everywhere. It is. So. It's all around us every time. Yep. And the, as the gang approaches the quicksand, Starlight starts complaining about how he looks filthy, mm-hmm. like a, like a common plow horse, and how he wants to clean himself off. So he immediately goes and jumps into the the water, starts getting thrashing about into the quicksand as he's sinking. And then we have a, a whole scene where they link arms to try to grab him, pull him out. Rainbow Bright gets pulled in, and she essentially jumps on Starlight's back and just grabs his mane mm-hmm. with both hands. Yeah. Twink humps a tree branch and grabs Brian's hand. And then Brian yells to Rainbow Bright, take off your belt and throw it to me and I'll pull you out. And she removes her belt, which looks nothing like what was actually on her clothing or on her person before. That's true. It seems like the belt was maybe tucked underneath a shirt because it does not look does not look right. It, it looks like she just pulled out something random and threw it to Brian. And then Rainbow uses her kung fu grip to just drag the horse out of the quicksand. Yeah. Which was very impressive because Atreyu wasn't even able to pull Artax out of the Swamp of Sadness. And he oh. was a legendary warrior child. Wow. So Bright has got to have some sort of superhuman grip strength in order to just rip him out. Yeah. And, uh, it it, it is odd that, so. that they think that two children and a uh, piece of tissue paper can pull, exert enough force to pull a horse. Now, in all fairness, this is a flying horse, so maybe his bones are hollow. Oh, no. that's true. Yeah, it could. They, I mean, just <laughs> their their hands on his flesh cause the the bones to snap in <laughs> under their weight. That's how delicate he is. Or maybe he's just filled with uh, helium or something. I don't know. But no, yeah, Rainbow Bright is definitely like. As, as I was watching this, I was like, "How the fuck is she holding on to this goddamn horse?" Anyway, they're exhausted, and uh, Murky captures them in a cage and takes the belt. Yep. And, like, holds the belt over his head, and then uh, he he throws the the gang into the pits along with the color kids, so they're basically in a giant pit with a uh, pulley at the top of it with a cage. He basically gloats over them a little bit. I don't know uh, why this caught my eye, but as Murk is gloating to the entire gang... You see next to him, Lurk, or Lurky, is posing. Yeah. Like he's in some sort of photo shoot. And then uh, he winds up sashaying away like a proper queen. I think once he they w- got their point across. I think he was mimicking Lurky. Yeah, something like that. It seemed like he was just sort of like trying to rub it in like a good hype man. Was really yeah. what it was. So. Well, well, just before this, actually before they, they show what happens to them, they... Um, they drive back to Rainbowland. Murky shoots the the belt, turning it gray. And he goes to Rainbowland, and he uses their belt power 
to decolorify a, a bunch of the of the rainbow rainbow land buildings yep and one of the rainbow land buildings which i'm assuming has to be like the capitol building because that was where rainbow bright was living yes yeah, it has a castle rain it has a rainbow shooting out of the top of it and the rainbow itself turns into various shades of gray oh so. yeah I think he actually changes it into, like, 50 shades of gray. Sure <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, they say they're going to, you know, make more gloom cloud. So they head back, and that's when we get the scene where they've thrown um, the Rainbow Bright and Brian in with the color kids. Yep. And, he, and Mark, like, literally does say that he's going to make enough gloom cloud to remove all of the color from Earth. Yeah. So he's specifically talking about Earth, and, and this is where, when I was watching it, I was a little bit confused, because I thought that they were, like, in a separate dimension. Like, they had traveled to a different dimension by way of Rainbow. But I think all of this is supposed to just be, like, someplace on Earth. So... Uh, you th- oh, okay. I, I don't... I, I feel like they're, like, the Shadowfell and the uh, Feywild. Like, a parallel, just, parallel but very closely allied... Uh, child dimensions, like a, a child, a, a shallowed alternate reality, essentially. Yeah, where it's just like, like the upside like the, down, like the Umbra. Yeah, 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 yeah. And anyway, the gang is in there, and uh, they, while we are looking at the gang now, they keep talking about getting murked, and how they 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 feel like they've been murked, mm-hmm. and they and, have to get I, unmurked. And they had to get unmerked, yeah. And they, they're obviously talking about, like, being murky or being murked up. Well, being murky, and they're saying, like, getting murked up, stuff like that. And I was really hoping that... We call that a Mary Janer, because it's one of those crazy new pot words that you use. <laughs> right. Sometimes well, I'm, I... sometimes I'm like, hey, dudes, I'm going to get totally murked tonight. Well, see, I was hoping that that might have been the case, where, like, the actual common use of the term murk nowadays was actually from rainbow bright because because in, <laughs> in my mind it's a bunch of like incel gamers they're just a bunch of uh idiots they're like talking about being murked not mercenaries uh well i i went on to uh the urban dictionary and it turns out it is mercenary but i was just hoping these kids were just referencing rainbow bright mm. i don't know in my reality that would make things a little bit better so <laughs> But anyway, Starlight claims that he's not going to be murked, and he's going to kick his way out by kicking the wall. And he kicks the wall, and he's like, well, maybe I am still murked. And Twink very enthusiastically says, don't kick the wall, Daddy. Kick me. Yeah, yeah. I've been a bad, bad Twink. And Starlight's like, that's going to hurt you. And Twink's like, no, it's not. And that's when uh, we get... uh, Brian to offer up his leather so they then leather up Twink <laughs> his baseball glove his baseball glove yep yeah. they leather up Twink and then Twink gets kicked in the ass up to the uh, pulley system that has a cage attached to it kinky and then we cut to see Merc I'm sorry Murky and Lurky in a uh, giant hot air balloon filled yes. with gloom cloud and they're about to fly or they're flying away and that's when we see the gang jump out and Rainbow Bright and Brian run ahead of the pack, grab the the guiding rope mm-hmm. for the balloon, and 
Starlight then grabs onto the end of the rope to hold the balloon so it does not get to fly off. Yeah, this was kind of a complicated sequence, and it happened very quickly. It did. Yeah. And, it, and again, very well animated, because they were able to convey exactly what was happening pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, Murky stumbles trying to shoot his uh, Merc gun. He falls down. He's caught by Lurky, and then Brian reaches up and grabs the belt from... From Murky. And then uh, they basically slide down after they got the belt, and then Murky tells Lurky to let the air out of the balloon slowly, but Lurky just sort of pops it. And then they just sort of, like, shoot off into the air like you pop a balloon. Mm -hmm. And then it falls back to the ground onto a pile of refuse. Mm -hmm. And in that pile of refuse, you can actually see clearly a rocking horse that has Die Starlight written on the side of it. (laughs) I missed that. (laughs) You missed that? Yeah. So... It was, the refuse was, again, pretty well drawn. Yes, it was, yeah. And uh, all the kids laugh at them because they, they've crashed and the gloom cloud is kind of spewed all over them. Yeah, so they're all, like, down in the dumps or whatever. Yeah. So we then segue from there to, uh, to the gang being restored in a restored Rainbow Land as well. They're all on top of Starlight about to fly Brian back home. Brian yells out his goodbyes to all the color kids and sprites of uh rainbow land and then they reunite brian with his dog who's been waiting this whole time for him and brian tells him to keep looking up and blows him what appears to be a very painful flying kiss and then she flies away mm-hmm. and he uh brian decides that he's gonna try out for the team again yep his uh yep. his faith has been restored he's got his confidence back he's gonna be a basing ballman So I've got a few credits here. Rainbow Bright was Bettina Bush, uh, who is best known for Elena from Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, uh, Gloria from Madagascar, and uh, uh, she was also in uh, Dead Rising and a bunch of other different video games. Uh, Cool. Murky was played by the indomitable Peter Cullen, Optimus Prime himself. Lurky was Pat Fraley, the Eastern Block robot cowboy from The Tick, and uh, Krang from TMNT. Nice. And then uh, Brian was played by Scott Menville, who plays uh, Robin on Teen Titans Go. So we got some like really good voice actors associated with us. Yeah. Honestly, the voice actors, their careers last a lot longer than these uh, cartoons do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this well, would have even been a steady gig. Yeah, because this was so intermittent. Yeah, it also seems to be like a pretty small world at this time. I think it's probably a lot more diverse now, but it, it does seem like the same group of people seem to get all the jobs. Particularly oh, that no, Peter yeah. Cullen. Oh yeah, that yeah. guy had the hookup. That he did. That he did. So overall, this cartoon I felt like is like significantly better than it really deserves to be. Because <laughs> <laughs> honestly, this was pretty good. The animation was good. Yeah. Yeah. The the story, whereas it wasn't, like, super compelling, at least it, like, it had its proper story beats. It actually flowed pretty well. Yeah, the, pace, the pacing was good. You you knew where it was at any given point in time. It wasn't, like, crazy and out of left field. It was, it was pretty well designed. Yeah, it felt very solidly done. 
And it, it also felt like we definitely get like a, a an epic story that's a tour of all the different worlds. So we really get a firm identification of wh- where all these different places are and who the characters are. Um, the yeah. color kids get short shrift for sure, but but that's that's also in this episode. And like, yeah, yeah, you kind of know what they are, and I'm sure they go a little bit more into world building later on. But I mean, I mean, as far as like the actual frequency of it, like David was saying, it is kind of crazy. Because it's essentially 13 episodes over the course of three years that they make. Wow, that's so, slow. It's very slow. They're never going to make syndication. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you can kind of tell because the, the quality on this is very high. It feels yeah, it yeah. feels very well made. That said, it is clearly a story about two rival drug lords. Yes. You had one that's dealing in crystal meth. Yeah. Uh, the other, the other one is uh, oxidized meth. Oxidized meth. I was thinking it was actually like uh, black tar heroin. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. You got to be able to smoke it. And then, well, they also have some like ancillary products too. So the black tar heroin is also dealing in uh, cannabis, <laughs> just like a steady normal gig. And then you have the uh, the crystal meth uh, dealers with uh, their LSD. Yeah. So. There is definitely some questions about what the fuck is going on in Rainbow Land because it's very clear that it's that they have like slave labor, some sort of caste system. Yeah, like a clear yeah. caste system, and like she's got her different lieutenants to uh, control the slave labor. Like uh, Murky and Lurky legitimately have a good reason to try to break up the the capitalist enterprise of uh, Rainbow Land. No, I could see that. So you think that Murky and Lurky, like in the modern more adult style of storytelling would be the good guys, essentially? No, no, they're socialists. That's why they're depressed all the time. Mm. And everything's so gray. Gotcha. Okay. Overall, though, on a serious note, I do think that the show does not have a good message, particularly for kids, because it's just like, uh, over and over, it's like, no, don't be sad. Just be happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't experience any other emotion. Just joy. All the yeah. all the time, and if you are sad, you need to uh, just do whatever you can to be happy again. Yeah, and you just, just need just, to snap just make out of happy. it. Yeah, you got to get some crystals. Got to get some yep. crystals. You got you got to crush them up in your hands, mm. and then you got to blow them on your best friend's face. Yeah, your your little twink boyfriend carrying them for you. So you gotta. Yeah, I am not sure if I would let my daughter watch this. Honestly. I'm going to go with, I mean, I like the female characters. I like the quality, but I actually think the like message of this is kind of damaging, especially if you are prone to suffering any sort of mental illness or, or yeah, um, yeah. struggle with depression. It, it's not, it, it feels very dated in how it deals with mm-hmm. the questions of uh, your emotional state. It's not very helpful when it comes to anybody that's actually experiencing those emotions. It, if anything, would just make them feel like, "What's wrong with me? Why? Why am I depressed? Why am I feeling bad?" Well, uh, yeah, I should just feel. So, I should just feel happy all the time. Yeah, um, and if I'm not feeling happy all the time, then obviously there's something wrong with me. So it feels like I a, need to snort these crystals. It feels like a shitty version of the Phantom Toll Booth, where there's like this weird, weird false equivalency. Hmm. I don't remember the Phantom Toll Booth. I remember reading it, but I don't actually remember what it was about. I mean, oh. it, it's sort of like about how great childhood is and how shitty adult it is. Oh, really? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> nice. 
Good times. Good times. David, what did you think of this? Uh, I'm just curious why there's no purple in these rainbows. Oh. <laughs> that's a good point. Wow, I didn't even catch that. They go, that then it's good. They don't go into the violets and the indigos. I mean, first of all, you're using pigments for a light-based uh, spectrum, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Light is an, an additive medium, an additive color system, and uh, pigment is a subtractive color system. You can't mix them. Yeah, it's crazy. So they have red, orange, yellow, green, blue. Yeah, just, just watch the end credits where it's just colors over and over again. And a very catchy song. Yeah, that I actually like the end sequence. It's pretty cool. And again, like, well-animated horse. Yep. Yep, and like stylized, where like they they like it does its run cycle, and then it spends a few a few seconds just kind of like suspended in air in a magical in a magical run. Pretty cool. They're just uh, ripping off one of those first uh, heliotropes. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. They probably that's probably where they got it from. Is that the right word? <laughs> uh, zoetropes. Z- zoetropes. Z- z- yeah. Zoetropes. Cool. David, what is our next segment? I like it. Well, I don't. Well, who cares what you don't like? I care. Okay, well, it's, it sounds like you uh, might want to see a bit more and uh, get some more information on this show. Is that, uh, is that correct? Or? Oh, I... <laughs> In this segment, we can vote cartoons on or off of the sacred list. I I honestly yes I think it should stay on the list. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I I would vote. Um, I don't know. I think I'd vote Amazing on this one, just because of the storytelling. I mean, it's not my cup of tea. I don't think I necessarily like stick it out, but it was still pretty decent storytelling. Really good animation. Yeah. So I'd, I'd stick with Amazing. I'd go with. I would support myself. that. Yes. All right. All right. So we're keeping it on the list. We can only watch it like. 12 more times though so (laughs) (laughs) is there really is is there no season two at all uh no i'm pretty sure there's not there there is like the reboot that was yeah uh, took place in 2014 there's several um second secondary series is series series but they changed the lore apparently yeah i believe they did Mm -hmm. the all-important rainbow bright lore I think, do we actually have it on the extended list? The Rainbow Bright... Remake? We should or, get it. No, no. I think we were trying to, like, hold off on things from, like, that late in the run, so we were trying not to do things in, like, the 2010s, but I think that we've given up on that since then. Yeah, fucking do it. Yeah. Yeah, because we have Powerpuff Girls 2016 in here. <gasps> they they rebooted Powerpuff Girls? Well, they did all sorts of things with that. Yeah, I mean, oh. well, they, they added more Puff. Oh, less power, more puff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like the, what the patriarchy would do. Yeah. God, fuck the man. <laughs> I wish I could, but I gotta let gravity do it for me. <laughs> Submarine Redemption. This is where we add or remove cartoons from the sacred list. But are we missing the Redeemer? Well, well, Dirk has like the next three slots. 
Oh, Jesus. Okay. Derek, Derek the Redeemer. And he's not coming back for months, maybe? We'll find out. Well, I guess if that's the case, then uh, I guess I should just redeem for him then. That's right. Oh, that's, that's right. Oh, it seems like a smart thing to do. I, I, so, yeah. That seems normal, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's how it should work. We can, we can uh, skip over him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 I'm just picturing like like six or seven episodes from now, it's going to be like, hey, Derek, what 12 things do you want to do to the list? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he could He could just change the whole character of the show. <laughs> Nice. The whole list would be nothing that tr- but Transformers. Wait, the last thing I'm seeing on the redemption list is David removed Land of the Lost. Aren't we supposed to be doing Land of the Lost? I removed the 90s one. Oh, you, oh, you took out the yes, 90s Yes, thank one. you okay. for doing that. Gotcha. I think that's the only one I was familiar with, honestly. So would you like to remove the 2000 Strawberry Shortcake? <laughs> <laughs> is that for me? Uh, you are next. I am next. Okay. So, I am not as big of a fan of removing stuff, because I want to be able to experience all of it. So instead, what I would like to do is I would like to add Biker Mice from Mars. Nice. Because I believe that is like a TMNT ripoff, essentially. Yeah, I think so. I think it's like uh, Street Sharks. All right, how about you, Matt? What would you like to change? Um, I'd like to take off Biker Mice from Mars. (laughs) (laughs) Fucker. (laughs) No, I don't want to do that. That's mean. I don't want to do that. I kind of like the idea that we're adding stuff back in. Let me go see what's available on... Oh, yes. Jackie Chan Adventures? No, Dragonlance Dragons of Autumn Twilight. Oh, nice. Yes, we got to watch that. Also because it's like three hours long. (laughs) (laughs) Is that like an actual movie? Yes. Wow. I'm adding it to the list. Does it have Tasselhoff in it? Of course it's got Tasselhoff. Okay. So just one episode or? There is only one. There's only that movie. Yeah, it's it's a movie. It's an actual movie. I should have been on the movie list. It should have been. But Matt somehow found a loophole to get his nerd shit in here. Yeah. They let gravity because, do it. Because that's the only nerd thing on here. Right. <laughs> um. All right. Are we going to pick what we watch next episode? We want cartoons 26 hours a day. Reverse retcon, where the future is decided by dice roll. Excellent. The best segment. The segment where we say we're going to have a future episode. Yeah. <laughs> what is index 199? 199. Gobots. <laughs> nice. I'm excited about Gobots. I'm excited about this too. And I think Mike is going to be excited as Mike well. Mike loves Gobots for some reason. Mike loves Gobots, yeah. It kind of makes sense. I think that we, we might want to try to give this one to Mike again. Obviously, we'll roll for it and see what pops up. Uh, but if it comes on me, I might try to proposition Mike again. See if I can get him. You're always propositioning one. Mike. I know. I know. I just have to get him uh, drunk in order to actually get him to agree. <laughs> that won't be there. Okay. Yeah. Well, mission accomplished. 
Or or I have to use my quote unquote gloom cloud to make him compliant. Yeah, yeah. Where he's just like, Adam, stop farting on me. I'll do it. All right. What episode do we got? Because we have number sixteen. Number sixteen. Excellent. All right. Go bots. Episode sixteen. And who's going to be reviewing that? You know the die did come up, Mike. If you really it, think Mike should have it. Oh, it did come up, Mike? I think he should. I think he should, too. But the question is, should we? do we do that to ourselves? <laughs> I'm down for it. I think it'll be fun. We'll be coming off of your episode of My Little Pony, so it'll actually be like very well-structured, and it'll be like <laughs> a good flow. Also, My Little Pony, everybody knows about. Then sure. GoBots, so it'd be great to have like a chaos episode right after. <laughs> Go that'd be good. Yeah. GoBots, Agents of Chaos. Oh, yeah. Did you, did you see the uh, episode for My Little Pony we were watching? Ghosts of the Paradise Estate, part three of four. It's a scheduled programmer's worst nightmare. We're coming in in the middle of a serial and <laughs> nice. only watching yeah. one episode. I love it. We're coming in in the middle. So we're coming in on the tail ends of the middle of the uh, episode, too. So we're almost like we're going to be seeing the the all of the action bits yeah, without any context of what's going on. We're the penultimate so. sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean maybe it'll be like uh, this will be like the dark ending, and uh, then the next episode will be like uh, five hundred years in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems right. <laughs> Ponies live five hundred years, right? Yes, yes, they do. In in the uh, My Little Pony Land, absolutely. Gobots is actually called Challenge of the Gobots. <laughs> Excellent. And 16, oh, even better, the, the GoBots episode we're going to be watching is Invasion from the 21st Level, Part 1. Nice. So, the first part of a serial for that next time. I like, I like that, because the next time we get the show, we get to finish up the, uh, the series. Yep. All right, so next time on Amazingly Terrible, we will be watching Land of the Lost episode 38 hot air artists and on a future episode of amazingly terrible we'll be watching the challenge of the gobots episode 16 invasion from the 21st level part one oh, epic also i failed to mention it guys but happy new year yeah technically we're in the future now technically we're in the future now hopefully 2022 will be something. <laughs> so it's, hopefully hopefully 2022 will be. I, we'll see, though. We'll see. <laughs> Chances aren't good. Well, yep. for Amazingly Terrible, I've been diffident. Uh, for Amazingly Terrible, I, I've just been Adam. Capricious? Yeah. I've been capricious, yeah. For Amazingly Terrible, I've been just a bit tipsy. Yeah, I like I like. Dave has been just the tip. Yeah, I like I like this fun loving wacky David. Yeah, yeah, the one that's completely fine with all the crackling noises I've been making and the plosives I've been throwing into the mic. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't care at all. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's... future David's problem. Yeah, that's future David's problem. Well, fuck that Damn guy. It. <laughs> Tipsy David doesn't care about future David.
Amazingly Terrible is produced by David and Adam. Music by Josh Woodward. Send your email to monotonouslyterrific at amazinglyterrible.com. A bases Bowman. A bases Bowman. Yep. Uh, he's my favorite old jazz guy. Bases Bowman. Hey, hey, hey! Bases Bowman. <laughs> bases Bowman. I'm in the bases Bowman. Uh, uh, my mouth's full of baseballs. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you know we're going to jazz hell for this. Oh yeah. Well, I think we're already there. I guess it's kind of true. When was the last time you made some sweet, sweet jazz? I let gravity do all my jazzing.